I never thought much about my energy use until I started talking with lots of leaders who have been guests on this show over the last four to five years. And I've been amazed at how often the topic of energy management and energy strategy has come up in conversations with leaders. On today's show, how to strategize your energy use for better results. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 231. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. Leaders aren't born, they're made. And this weekly show will give you access to the best thinkers, resources, and actions to develop your leadership skills. And I'm glad you're tuning in today because I'm wondering how your energy level is. I know uh, energy is something that I've struggled with in the last few years, uh, especially with having young children and sleep schedules and all of that. Of I've definitely noticed that when I pay a better attention to my energy level and how I am using my energy level, I am way more effective, not only in my personal life, but in the workplace too, and in being productive professionally. And that's why I'm glad you've joined me today, because we are going to be talking about energy. And this is becoming a topic that is becoming much more prevalent in the business articles and the literature. We're starting to see more and more studies. And the studies are showing some really interesting findings that have practical implications for all of us. And I'm thrilled to be able to welcome Janine Lombardi to the show today. She is the founder and CEO of J9 Leading Solutions, an organizational consulting services firm that helps organizations create high-impact teams, develop effective leaders, and tailor strategies and operations to achieve maximum impact. She's an organizational consultant, trainer, and coach, specializing in strategic planning, leadership development, organizational development, employee engagement, and change management. And she's also a senior instructor at Brandman University, which is how we got connected originally through a mutual friend, Susan Gerke, who's been on the show before. And Janine, I am glad to have you here. Welcome to Coaching for Leaders. Thank you, Dave. I'm happy to be here with you. Well, this topic of energy, this is one of those topics, Janine, that uh, you know, a few years ago, I think if you said energy in most of the corporate meeting rooms and businesses around the world, uh, people would kind of give you a little bit of a strange look and uh, and even me too, and kind of like, oh, that sounds a little woo-woo <laughs> maybe. <laughs> and we're starting to see this, this topic come up more and more, and we're starting to see more and more organizations, even some of the large corporations really talking more about energy. And I was interested that you sent me an article on some work Harvard has done, the Harvard Energy Project of looking at this very topic. And I thought maybe we'd start our conversation there of just what is the conversation going on right now with not only what Harvard's doing, but what are some of the things that organizations are starting to find around energy? Yeah, I think that's a great great place for us to start because what's really interesting is, so I was first exposed to this work and some of this early research about 15 years ago. But it is only recently in the last several years where we can really talk about it in this in this way that just tells me that the complexity of of the business culture uh, has kind of pushed this to the forefront for folks. And, you know, I'll get requests for help from organizations around things like time management. Right. So that's where 
where a lot of the thinking still is productivity. You know, we need the business to, and the employees to be more productive, more engaged. Can you come help them with their time management skills? And where I direct the conversation and have been for over the, a decade is to this place of, you know, energy management and that there are ways and things to do to help employees be more focused and therefore more productive and not necessarily meaning that they have to work more hours, right? And that there are really multiple areas that we need to pay attention to with our employee workforce. And if, and if leaders do that, they really can achieve better business results, which of course, that's why they initially call. That's what they're interested in doing. And, you know, in the research that you mentioned and the article that you mentioned, it does really point to and show that the margin in these business is better for um, organizations that help their employees create a, an environment where they can have sustained engagement levels, meaning they can perform at a higher level over a longer period of time more consistently. And so with that consistency comes that increased margin in their bottom line, which is a win-win because it's also a tremendous kind of, I call it a win for humankind because when we really look at what the best practices are in this area, it helps all of us in um, our relationships at home, in the community, and outside of work, right? So it's, it's not just a benefit that, that goes to the employer either. When employees and their leaders really start to focus on some of these different ways to manage their energy and, you know, really it becomes less of a concern about, you know, managing time, which is still important, but, it, but when they can learn how to manage energy, they really see the, the results in productivity. Well, it's great that you mentioned that, Janine, because I, I think that that is something that is actually a really big motivator for me when I think about not only the show, but just leadership in general is it's easy to see the connection on a daily basis from good leadership and how the organization performs. But one of the things I've seen over the years, and I'm sure you have too, is working with different organizations and clients that poor leadership and poor management around things like uh, how organizational behavior and time management and um, and relationships in the workplace, not only does that not result in great business results, but it causes so much stress for people, the, the crazy hours, the um, organizational politics and conflict, that really affects people's home lives too, and their happiness, and affects their families. And that's a that's a big motivator for me for helping leaders be better is, is that that like you said, it's it's almost a it's a human it's a project for humankind of like how can we be better leaders so we can make the world a better place, not just for the organization, which of course is a goal too. But if we're able to do that, that really is a big difference maker. Yeah, absolutely. I some of the core work of the leader really is to model these behaviors, and so that's where we we really have to start in a way is to help show leaders what what are some of the ways in which you can have effective energy management and. You know, some of the work out there by folks like Tony Schwartz, who helped with this article you were mentioning, you know, he's, he's written a great deal about this idea of the corporate athlete. And many people approach their workday like it's a marathon where they have, you know, they have to somehow work a 12-hour day. And, and so they go at it in a slower pace, like you'd run a 26-mile marathon, right? You're not going to sprint out of the, the starting line and sprint the whole 26 miles. You're not going to work at that highest level. So but when you're working at less than full capacity, which a lot of workers are approaching their day that way, you don't necessarily get more done in those 12 hours if you approach things like a sprinter would, where they expend a high amount of energy for a period of time, and then there's a period of rest and renewal. 
and then they do that over and over again. Well, if you apply the same principle to working, you know, what, what they've found in, in the, the studies here is that working for about a 90-minute period of time allows for the focus time an employee needs to kind of do a particular project or task, but really after that period of time, they do need a break of some sort. It might be standing up, stepping outside, making a phone call, doing something, but taking a, a, a moment of intermittent renewal during the day. I think a lot of emphasis, you know, and things have been written around the importance of taking time off and the challenges that, that, the technolo- that technology has brought to really having boundaries, you know, really truly being able to take a vacation and, and disconnect from an organization. And, and so that, that need is part of what's driving this, the, the importance of understanding how to better work. So if you were to take two employees with the two examples I just gave you, one kind of approaching that 12-hour day going at a very slow and steady pace of maybe 60% capacity versus another employee who is working at 85% capacity for a period of time, takes a break, you know, takes it down to 10% or zero, right, takes a break, then goes at it hard again. When you, when you, you really compare that, the, the employee working less hours at that higher capacity rate is more productive, and then it leaves them in a, in a place of being able to perform their other duties in life, parent, uh, friend, all of those things, it leaves some energy left for those things because they're not working a 12-hour day. You know, they're, they're working maybe a, a 9- or 10-hour day, but at a better rate. Um, and so they're actually getting more done. And it's the kind of thing, Dave, I know you, you've mentioned that you've made different changes in behavior and practice for yourself. And, and sometimes a very small shift and can achieve a big result, and that, that is motivating for a person. So when I'm working with, with uh, clients and, and businesses on, on this concept, when they try it out and, and really see that they can accomplish more in less time, it, it's like seeing the light bulb go on and people really want to continue to have more of that. And so what leaders can do first and foremost is they need to understand what to do and model those behaviors because the employees do look at their leaders for what's acceptable behavior and what's not acceptable behavior. And, and if I think in my organizational culture I have to physically be in my seat, you know, for 12 hours a day or people are not going to believe that I'm doing all the work that I should be doing, yeah. um, you know, that's problematic. And that's another aspect of this too, right, is what, what's the culture of the leaders perpetuating. But when the leader models the behavior and then when they also – um, then can support the employee trying to make the changes in their their work approach and their life in terms of these different areas to help manage your energy. You know, which which include things that we I think all know about, but now, as you pointed out, the research is really kind of highlighting the importance, and and it includes things like our physical well-being. Are we taking care of that our vessel, our body, right? And yeah. and as well as our emotional uh, well-being, you know, do we have healthy relationships? Can we give and receive feedback in a way that, you know, promotes trust and respect with other people? You know, and as well as kind of, you know, our mental focus, are we able to have a clear mind, to have clarity so that we can look at the work on our desk and actually concentrate on it and prepare it? But, you know, our attention is constantly distracted. And so being able to mentally focus and 
as a leader, supporting people being able to do that is, is hugely important to businesses. Oh, yeah. And uh, this is so interesting because this is exactly what I've been reading online and some of the articles over the last year. And if you, when, when I read the writing, it may be not even necessarily the formal research, but when I read writing of successful leaders out there, often I find that they're talking about this. And, and everyone uses a little different term for it. I've heard the term of surge and retreat and, and different analogies, but essentially have articulating the same kind of thing of rather than this sustained 60% level, like you, you mentioned, Jeanine, it's that a process of work tends to be very more high intense of real creativity and real productivity, and then a retreat for a period of time. And whether that's within a day or a week or a month, there's different contexts I've heard, but that that is really powerful. And and to the point where the research is now starting to show, once you get beyond a certain number of hours a week, adding on more hours does not produce any better results. And And yet, like you point out, I think even still here in 2016, I would say that's not the, that's not the default operating culture in most organizations still even today is we expect people to be available all the time we and especially those who are in a physical workspace you know expect to be at your desk and 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 I think that's a real challenge for a lot of organizations how do you help p- people to move beyond that and get past that you know it's not just how many hours you have sitting behind your desk that correlates to productivity well let me tell a quick story that, that speaks, I think, to this, and then I can go into a little bit further explanation. But So I have a client, you know, an employee base of about 3,000 people, and a significant portion is sales portion, and I had about 40 of their mid-level managers and a few senior executives in the room for a session that we were doing on overall leadership. And so, and I, when I talk, anytime I speak about leadership, I bring all of this into my conversations with my clients. And so we were talking about this idea of rest and renewal and, and vacation. It got very specific to, you know, vacation. And one of the participants said, well, I only work a couple hours a day when I'm on vacation. And my response was, well, then that's just a short work day, right? That is not a vacation day. That's just a short work day. And, and he had lots of reasons and explanations where that worked for him. And, you know, we kind of went back and forth a little bit, but I knew from the, the top leadership that I was working with um, that they wanted a different conversation around that, that they did want people, they know they're working hard and they need to, to, to take those breaks. So the most senior, he was a national sales vice president. So he was the most senior guy in the room. And he stood up and he said to the other gentleman, he said, look, Two weeks a year, I take my three girls and my wife and we go on a trip and I am present with them during those two weeks, you know, and I don't, if I can, basically what he said is if I can do it right at the level that I'm at, the rest of you guys should know it's okay. And, and he kind of said, and I'm here telling you it is okay to do that, that we recognize that that's important. You know, we're with a lot of different change behavior in an organization it really, you know, you hear this thing, it has to start at the top. And so in that way, in that organization, they really started to try to have the leaders where they could in moments like that to really reinforce that we do mean it, right? And then because many of them in the room were leaders also of sales teams and that sort of thing. And, and you know, setting the example and setting the boundaries. So if you have an employee on vacation, you're not the one as their leader texting them or sending them an email or asking them to do something, right? You really yeah. honor that 
time that the employee has. And, you know, in organizations where they're getting better at doing this, what they, they do truly find is those employees do come back much more engaged, refreshed, renewed, and ready to hit the pavement hard to accomplish whatever business and work needs to be done. So, and that, none of that at that point was scripted. It was very in the moment. He took the opportunity, that leader, to, to say to them. And he, he talked about, you know, and, and as a result of that, the benefits that he had realized in his home life and his personal life and how much that, you know, and it's, it's a big circle, right? So when that's, when you're feeling if things are strong at home, then it makes, your, your morale and your attitude and everything when you come into the office in the morning better. And it's, it's a positive spiral that we can influence when we pay attention to some of these things. And, and, and quite frankly, with where to start, I mean, some of it is truly in the most basic lifestyle behaviors. So this does become a lifestyle conversation, you know. Is your lifestyle one where you don't get enough sleep? Is your lifestyle one where you eat a lot of sugar and low-nutrition foods, you know? And if it is, you know, that actually is the foundational place that employees and, and leaders need to start is really asking themselves, you know, how am I doing in these areas? And really auditing t- to an extent what they're doing and where they might be able to find more energy. Janine, you haven't used this term, but one of the things that's been said on this show before is that one of the most important jobs of leaders is succession planning. And mm-hmm. when I think about succession planning, and I know you're very much of the belief here too, is that all the normal kinds of things that go along with succession planning are, of course, critical, and we've done shows on that before. But one of the key things I think that's often missed is does the leader work and rest and have a level of happiness in such a way that's portrayed to the organization, not only portrayed, but actually true, in a way that's attractive to other people to want to move into that position or take on more responsibility within the organization? And I know I've had this in my career, and I'm, I'm betting you've seen this a bunch too, Janine, where you either work in an organization or I've worked as a, as a consultant to organizations where there's a leader who is really not very balanced, works a crazy amount of hours, and the people around that person are, if not explicitly, uh, even subconsciously thinking like, I don't want that job. Uh, it doesn't matter how much it pays or what the opportunities are. Like, I don't want to be working the 80-hour-a-week schedule and never take vacation. And I think that sometimes sometimes a lot of us don't think about that when we're on the other end of the spectrum, though, if we're in the leadership role of how we model that well. I, I think that's really a great point for, for people to consider, that it is a, a succession planning strategy, right? To have the role that you're grooming people to take be attractive to them, right? And, and we've seen some shifts in the different generations entering the, the workplace where they're just not buying into that story, right? They have a very different view of, you know, balancing pleasure and work time. And we're not going to see people stepping into leadership roles that are not attractive any longer. I mean, that's my yeah. true belief that there's, you can't pay people enough money to, to do that. I mean, that's just not the draw. And so, you know, I did have that experience myself. I, I worked for uh, an incredible leader and role model who, as a female with a mother of three kids during the 18 years I worked in her organization, she did model many of these concepts in, in terms of energy management. And she was highly mm-hmm. successful. And it showed me as a young professional in my 20s, you know, and growing with that organization, you know, the importance 
of managing my energy and paying attention to that. And oh, cool. so, and I do think it attributed to just overall life satisfaction and happiness that, that I have experienced. And that is part of what's kind of driven me to want to share this message and share this, these concepts and information with people so that they know it's possible, that it is achievable. You don't have to give up your career ambitions and your, maybe your ambitions to you know, be in a, in a role that is, has a great deal of responsibility and, and challenge to it. I mean, that's all, that is part of what gives us energy, right, is if we have work that we find meaningful, if we're connected to the, the mission and the values of the organizations we're working within, um, that really does kick up our energy and it makes us excited to get up and get into work in the morning and, and, and to contribute. And importantly, too, knowing as an employee that my contributions matter and that what I'm doing is of value and that, that those leaders in the organization care about me as a human being, right? And that's, that's a word that I have used, again, for over the last decade, and I'm getting less of the funny looks around it now than in the past. And I'll tell leaders, it's about caring for people, right? And that includes their, their physical well-being, their mental well-being, and that's part of your job, right? To show them respect, to create an environment where there's trust and they can share information and you can share information with them. If you look in organizations that are successful in, in terms of kind of their financial bottom line and all of that, this is what the research is showing, is leaders have that mindset, right? They have that mindset of care and taking care of people's well-being includes all these things that we've been talking about. Yeah. Well, it, it isn't. I mean, at, on one level, I'm just. I think it's really cool that we're in a place in a lot of organizations where words like care or even love are coming into the workplace as. I mean, an appropriate professional way of like, how do we really genuinely look out for people? And at the same time, if I really step back from it, I'm like, well, of course, like, why not? Like, why did we take so long to even get there? Like, it seems sort of ridiculous in a way. Like, of course, we're going to care about people. Like, what leader wouldn't do that? And so in some ways, we still have a ways to go on this conversation. And as far as the, the, the you're just a perfect example of this, Janine. I remember when you and I talked originally, you were telling me about the leader you worked with and, and how what a great example she was early in your career. And you you stayed with that organization a long time and had a wonderful career there, if I'm recalling, right? It was uh, yes. 18, yeah. 17, you know, 18 and, years. And, and that is, again, the research shows that employees that have this, feel this care and commitment to them, they will stay almost three times as long as an employee who doesn't feel so cared for and yeah. taken care of. And again, it's really supporting all of Gallup's work around engagement. And, um, you know, they, they've taken a focus the last couple of years also in this idea of employee well-being, right, in these different areas. And so, um, a again, a benefit to the organization is the retention and longevity and loyalty, which has been harder and harder to secure from, from the workforce, right? And oh, yes, yeah. I did. I mean, I had a tremendous opportunity, you know, to, to truly experience you know these concepts that we're talking about, and see the the difference that they can make. And yeah, and even from the the very cynical, you know, kind of the the cold numbers point of view, if if you're just looking at it from that lens, which is always something we should be looking at as part of the conversation when we're thinking about leadership, is how does it affect the bottom line? Is the numbers are pretty? I mean, Harvard's correlating engagement levels with how much energy margin people have. The, a lot of these studies are showing that now, if you get beyond a certain number of hours, you know, 50, 55 is kind of like the zone I see in a lot of these studies that once you get to 60, 65 hours, you don't really end up with any more net productivity. So organizations are really 
wasting the investment, but they're also wasting employees' energy level too. And so it's all of this, all of this is fitting together into this broader sense of let's be real and realistic about how we're handling energy level. And oh, by the way, if you're willing to do that and engage in that, you'll probably do a way better job as an organization of actually utilizing that energy. And and that uh, that brings me to maybe some of the practical things we could do, Janine, because I, I think some people are probably listening to this like, okay, you know, that makes sense. But what's something that I can do in the workplace either for myself or for my team, that's a starting point. So when you're working with people, what do you... And, and you get them into this like, okay, you know, maybe I should think about this a little differently. What are the places you have people start? Okay, so we'll talk about a few different areas and I'll give a, a couple examples in each of those areas that people can try. And I can give almost a money-back guarantee that if you try these things, you will notice a difference in your energy level. And that's um, a so big first, guarantee on a free podcast, right? money back right there. <laughs> so, so the first is in that area of physical well-being, right? That if, if you are depleted physically of energy because you have not had enough sleep or had the right foods or enough physical movement and exercise, you're starting off at, at, a, at a huge deficit. You, you might almost be in an energy crisis. So the most basic things, which folks have heard before and maybe – Maybe many of them have made a, a resolution to, to do some of these things and they've already fallen off, you know, a few weeks into the new year. The first would be to get more sleep, that we often think that if we just do more and stay up later and work longer or get up earlier and go in earlier, that we'll be more productive and have more energy. The average adult needs seven to eight hours of sleep. And so if you're only sleeping five or six hours, you know, I always suggest very small steps. Maybe try sleeping six and a half and try to increase your sleep. That is the most, that is more important actually to your physical well-being than, than exercise or nutrition. And, and a lot of us, you know, in the start of a new year focus a lot on the exercise and nutrition. So I would say sleep. And behind that and connected is hydration, that most of us don't drink enough liquid during the day of the nice, healthy water kind. So 10 cups of coffee doesn't help. But hydrating yourself is a tremendous uh, energy boost as well. And then what I like to just say is around movement, which is when we talk about taking these intermittent renewal breaks, you know, physically standing up and walking around and moving and maybe um, I'm a practitioner of yoga and there are a number of different movement and poses that you could do in an office, in a chair, in your work clothes, your suit, your dress that really can help how you're feeling physically, loosen your neck, your shoulders, those sorts of things. So people need to move, sleep, drink more water, and eat better. You know, a quick story I'll tell there on the eating piece is uh, one of my clients cut sugar out of his diet. So not only did he lose 40 pounds, which, you know, that was a nice result, but where wow. he really felt it was in his energy level. I mean, he, he's a poster person for um, the benefits of choosing, be making better food choices, right? So those things are you know, people often maybe do those things because they want to look better physically or the doctor has given them sort of some sort of health reason. But this energy piece is another reason to really focus on these things. Can I add um, something here too? Uh, the, the sleep yeah. thing is so huge. I've noticed that in the last few years, especially with experimenting with different schedules, with having young children and all that. When I get a good night's sleep on a fairly regular basis, my productivity level that week, that day is so much different. And just yeah. how much I can process and handle. And when it's not, I, it, it's it's almost like night and day. And this is something we're seeing so many articles and books on now of the, 
importance of managing sleep from a business standpoint. Forget the personal benefits of it, but just that productivity is is really huge. And and the other thing I'd I'd add too, Janine, is I and I'm trying to do this. I've I've seen a couple of these articles now on stop trying to manage your time so much, manage your energy more. And I, I do think a lot now of what time of the day are my energy levels tend to be higher. And scheduling those times to be the time I really are doing, I'm doing more of that deep work um, so that I can really take advantage of my energy levels. And when I plan my day that well, which I don't always, but when I do it, it is really different. Yeah, that is really important to have an awareness of your own kind of rhythm of your your body and when you're working best and and to plan, like you say, those more intense times during during those, they're, they're your peak times to work. And so understanding that is important. And so, yeah, and thank you for sharing that real experience, right, of when you sleep versus when you don't sleep. And from a business standpoint, where we can connect this again to, you know, missed days of work, increasing healthcare costs to organizations, all uh, if people are taking better care of themselves, companies will also save in those areas as well, right, with insurance and um, less sick days, people away from the office, uh, et cetera. So the other really important aspect of uh, an employee's energy is around their mental well-being and their emotional well-being. You know, in the, I don't know, way back in the day, right, you know, people used to go out to lunch together and socialize a lot more and now you see a lot of people working at their desk and eating out of the Tupperware and, and not even talking to somebody else or checking emails while they're trying to take their 10-minute lunch. And, but what's, what that cut out or cuts away is just this opportunity to form relationships with people that are beyond you just we're working on a project together. You get to know about people's families and their interests and their backgrounds. And so you know, promoting ways in which employees can build relationships with one another is, is a, a positive contributing factor to um, an, an employee's emotional well-being. So having healthy relationships, and and that's where the boundaries come in also uh, that, that a leader can help set where, you know, providing and making sure that an employee has times to nurture their own relationships outside of the organization with their family and friends, and um, because that is something that really gives people energy when they have time to interact with other people that they care about in their life. So that's one aspect of it. But there are several. So this, this area connects a great deal to, if you're familiar with the, with the work of Sean Anker, for example, and positivity in the workplace. And we talk about things that contribute to just feeling better, right? Feeling happier, more fulfilled. And things we've already mentioned in that physical aspect contribute to it, exercise, but there are also a couple techniques that I want to share, Dave, because I have tried them and used them, and then subsequently lots of my clients have tried them, and it works, they work really well to help put people in a more positive mind state and kind of fuel their emotional energy in a, in a good way. And so one that you may be familiar with is um, the idea of a gratitude journal where oh, yeah. the end of each day, you know, reflecting back and recording down three things that you're grateful for in that particular day. And I had to do that as a practice for um, a course I was taking, right, always trying to learn and grow myself. And so I had to do that for 60 days. And I had heard about that idea for years and had never stuck with it and tried it. And I did it, felt such positive results, because what it caused me to do was to be constantly looking out in my day for things to be grateful for, mm. right? And that shift was so significant. I have continued to do that. It's been several years now, and it's, it's just 
common practice in a way that as an individual you can do for yourself. Similarly, the research suggests that if you spend time and they just two minutes, so a lot of these things we're sharing you know, are some things that take less than a few minutes. If for two minutes you sit and re reflect on prior positive experience, so maybe I, I, during my break I think a little bit about my um, you know, trip I took this fall and how I think about that positive experience, that the way our brain processes that, it's as if we've relived it again. And so we get the benefit of that positive emotional state. And so when we're, when we're looking at what can a leader do to help in this area, part of it is just to, to give people space to have a personal life, right, so that they can pursue these sorts of things. But then internally where we really see results in terms of energy are leaders that are more effective in giving feedback in a, in a way that is reduced in terms of being a threat, that's truly constructive and helpful, adds to the energy level of an employee, right? So I'm getting feedback, even if it's about maybe how my work could be better, if it's done in a way that's respectful and authentic and intentional to my perception as it's, it's given to me to help me, that does increase my energy level as well. So those are those are a couple of from the physical and mental, and you might have some other ideas in this idea of uh, emotional well-being as well. Oh, I love all those, and uh, you know, and, and in addition, taking those that two minutes of if you're in the leadership role of giving feedback and pointing out things people are doing great, you know, then then you you build up trust, and when you do need to give constructive feedback, uh, people realize you're on their team, you care about them, you want them to succeed, and so it's it's. You know, just like I shouldn't say just like, but almost like being an effective parent is, you know, you invest in both giving positive reinforcement to your children, but you also then do things that will help them to be more effective and corrective too. Mm -hmm. Same thing in the workplace is that we should be balancing both those things. And it is, it, it's sad to me that in a lot of cases, um, when I run into employees who are not happy in their roles or having a difficult time with energy level, it's because there is a leader somewhere in the organization, or maybe it's their direct manager who does not do a lot of that or has set the expectation of, and I've, I've heard this recently from employee, even people who are working virtually, is, well, you better respond the minute I IM you or message you. And if you don't, then I'm assuming you're not working and you're not. And I'm thinking to myself, like, what a what a crazy, uh, I mean, not only to have to do that, but then like just the anxiety that's always there of trying to have to be instantly available and never being able to just walk away or take 10 minutes and step away from your desk or whatever. It just sets an environment that it, it seems to me so counterproductive to what most organizations are trying to do as far as to care and really set that expectation of an environment that you know people can can really do their best work. Yeah, I mean that's really toxic in a lot of ways. And I'll I'll talk to leaders about you know if they're if they're doing those sorts of things and making those sorts of demands, we we really start there to work on that because it is counterproductive and it and it works against really everything that they're they're truly try, trying to achieve. And if in some cases they just don't know another way, and when they're kind of shown another way, you know, and they see a different kind of response, you know, then you start to make that little incremental shift in the culture. But, and one thing, you know, it's kind of interesting too that from a, um, an emotional well-being standpoint, when a leader is giving, is delivering that sort of feedback and, and positively reinforcing things with people, they actually personally 
benefit from doing that sort of behavior. So one of the practices, and you don't have to even be a leader to this, but even if, if each day you make a point to thank somebody for something that they have done for you, you actually receive, you actually have a higher level of happiness and emotional well-being yeah. just because you've actually shown gratitude towards somebody. So it's, it's really interesting how the psychology of all this works. It um, does. It does. It all comes together. And, and like we were talking about, affects engagement, affects our happiness level at, at home too. And uh, and we'll we'll do our best to link up some of these articles here in the show notes because there's it's hard to go on the internet these days and not see an article about this uh, from a business well-being standpoint. And so we'll definitely track down some of the uh, the ones, including the Harvard one that we mentioned here. Uh, Janine, you know, one of the things that I'm coming away from the conversation here today, just thinking about from uh, almost everyone's perspective who's listening, is there is absolutely something that all of us can do immediately that helps with this, whether it's taking two minutes just to think of you know, a positive interaction or maybe taking five minutes a day to write in a gratitude journal or doing something larger, like thinking about your 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 sleep schedule and your your what you're consuming and the expectations you're setting in the workplace. I think there's there's a commitment that every one of us can walk away doing a little bit better from this conversation. So I really appreciate you helping us be so practical uh, practical on that. And for folks who'd want to learn more and maybe check out some of the resources on your website, what's the best way for folks to track you down? If you'd like to learn more about some of these concepts and ideas on my website, they can go to j9leadingsolutions.com and see what some of the tools and resources that I have there. And I'm certainly happy to have been able to be given the opportunity to, to kind of broadcast this out and share this. And I would encourage those to those listening, you know, to share it with, with their friends and colleagues as well. Um, it can really be, what we're talking about today can really be life-changing in, in the most positive way. I mean, it, it, it can actually quite literally extend your life. <laughs> so indeed, we're, indeed. We're, we're taking a shot at doing some of these things we've talked about. Yeah, why not? You know, we spend so much of our time at work and, and, and you know, rightfully so. I, th- I think it's interesting, Janine, just to, you know, maybe this is a little off topic, but there there's been sort of... There's some there's a movement out there. I'm not sure if it's as prevalent as it was a couple of years ago of like, you know, limit work as much as possible, try not to work, uh, minimize the amount of time you have to spend in the workplace. And I, I I think that's a little odd too, in that I, I mean, I I enjoy my work. I mean, there are times I don't, and I, I don't always love every aspect of it. I see it very much as my calling in the world, and I love to do this show and the work that I do and the training. And so it's it's almost it's everything in balance. And so I think that if we can have the workplace enrich our lives and contribute to our lives and then contribute to other people's lives and the lives of our customers and our employees, that I think that's such a win for everybody uh, of really looking at this from a balanced perspective. And so you know, handling energy and and exercise, needing well in the workplace, well, just like we would in our personal lives, I think is just such a such a good place for us to be thinking of from a leadership standpoint. I could not agree more. And I think that's, that is really a great summary of the, the reason why this is worth talking about even more and, and why there is, why it's, it's kind of coming to the, the, the surface. We'll, we'll take the project on, you know, to help humankind. And, and this, is, this is a great way to do it, to get the word out. So thank you, Dave. I love it. Thanks a ton, Janine. I really appreciate your time and your wisdom. Thank you. I don't know about you, but it's it's so easy for me to come away from a conversation like this and think, oh, it's 
common sense. You know, all these things about energy management and thinking through our strategy for doing that, it all makes sense. It's kind of like things like smiling and listening to people and recognizing people for their good work. We all know those things, at least most of us do. And yet we don't do it as consistently as we probably should. And common knowledge does not equate to common practice. And I know for me, there's more I can do on my own strategies and energy management on how I'm thinking about my energy. And I know that as I've focused my time and attention on this in the last year, especially, it's really produced better results for me, improved the quality of my work, allowed me to achieve more and not nearly work quite as much too. Uh, so it's it's been helpful on so many levels. I hope that you'll find something from Janine's message here that you can put into place immediately that will help you to move forward on this a little bit. And so much of this show each week is not about one conversation, one action, one silver bullet that's going to help you to immediately become a dramatically more effective leader. I don't actually think for most of us that really exists. The best leaders I know out there are the people that are continually refining, continually making course corrections, continually learning something new and adding to their tool belt each week that over a course of weeks and months and years and of a career will empower you to be the kind of leader that will produce great results for others, for your organization, and for yourself and the people that are most important in your personal life. And this is very much a part of that conversation. So I hope you'll take uh, take my action to find one thing here that Janine's recommended to put into practice immediately. And of course, the weekly show notes will be up at coachingforleaders.com slash 231 for all the things we've mentioned. But you don't have to remember that link if you are subscribed to the weekly leadership guide, which I send out on Wednesdays, because in addition to all of the articles, podcasts, videos, books, resources that I curate and highlight in those guides each week. It also includes a link to the full weekly show notes. And so if you listen on the go like I do, it will always have that resource for you so you can take action almost immediately on the things we talk about in each one of these weekly episodes. So it's a great resource for you if I can talk. (laughs) And as a bonus, if you haven't already joined that weekly leadership guide, you will get instant access to my reader's guide that lists the 10 leadership books that will help you get better results from others and brief summaries from me on the value of each of those books. One of those books is The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. And the first three of those habits are all about you, how you look internally at yourself, how you're utilizing the strategies for your own career and your own life. And this conversation really aligns with that. It's a great read if you've never read it. And there's nine other books there that are really helpful too. So if you'd like that list, plus a nine-minute video for me with a recommendation on each one of those books and the value that comes from each one, go to coachingforleaders.com slash subscribe. That's how to get that and the guides each week. Have a great week, and I look forward to talking with you next Monday. Take care.